Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads Community Church, our vision is to awaken the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas by creating cool places to experience God in local neighborhoods throughout Pittsburgh and beyond. Now here is this week's message. While they're taking up the offering, um, one more thing that I want to share with you. Uh, and you guys know we have the Marauders with us this morning, and they're going to uh, come in just a few minutes and uh, share some of their stories. But uh, what we didn't tell them was two things. One, we have some gifts for them. So if you guys could all come up here for a minute. All right, so uh, as you guys, some of you guys know, we have, you know, last time they were here, uh, they presented Christy and I with, you know, their colors. And so I thought that this morning we would present them with ours. Now, unfortunately... Uh, or fortunately, however you look at it, uh, we have, and I don't know if we've got all the sizes right for all you guys, but uh, for you guys that have bought our Crossroads t-shirts, and you guys, I'm just going to hand them out, and you guys can work out the sizes later. Here you go. But for Scott, we got something a little different. Come up here, Scott. Now, black and gold, as you guys know, that's Pittsburgh through and through. I mean, they bleed that, you know. If it were up to them, the blood of Christ would have changed into black and gold. But uh, we also have our colors, which um, the black just really represents the sin that we had in our lives. The bled, the red, the blood that Christ shed to change our sin into white. And this represents our motto, real people who are doing real life on behalf of a very real God. So we want to give that to you. Wow. Now, one other thing that we didn't, I didn't share with them and... I was hoping that nobody would just kind of shoot this out to them over the weekend because we've been spending a lot of time with them this weekend and having an awesome time, is that um, we support, I think, four or five different missionaries. And when we just had our annual meeting, uh, we also agreed to pick up and support you guys as missionaries as well. So uh, could you just welcome the newest missionaries that we're supporting? All right, before we uh, get started this morning, make sure these are off. Before we get started this morning, uh, as many of you know, um, before we uh, hand things over to the Marauders, um, Shirley has been down in South Carolina for, I think, a couple of weeks now uh, because of her son, Barry, dealing with cancer, and Valerie has been going back and forth, and uh, we've been continually praying for them and with them. And um, it's just communicated to me this morning that Valerie asked that we pray for peace and comfort for her brother Barry and Shirley's son Barry, and, and in general for that entire family and everything that they're going through. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me, and uh, we're going to spend just a moment in prayer for them. God, we pray for just uh, not just a peace that we can grasp and our mind can conceive, but that supernatural, unexplainable peace that only comes through the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit, God. We pray not just for Barry, that that peace would settle on him, but for his wife, for their children, for Shirley, for um, all of the entire family, God. We pray that you would comfort them in this extremely, extremely difficult time of need. And, and we have no way for our minds to grasp or understand how you could do that. We have no way for our minds to grasp and understand uh, 
that it would be conceivable that at a time like this that they would be uh, comfortable or they would be at peace or they would be at rest, but we know that you are able to do things that our minds cannot grasp or imagine. And so, God, we pray. We lift them up in you to you this morning. We pray that your spirit would just flood through that home, touch every single one, that you would provide a spirit of unity, that this be an instance that does not divide, but bring them closer together and draw them closer to you. And God, we pray that you would be exalted through this experience. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. I'm just going to get out of the way and let the Marauders do what they do. So just give a warm welcome again for the Marauders. Hoorah. Are you on or am I on? I don't know. I'm on. Good morning, guys. It's good to be back. Um, You know, I just want to thank everybody for this wonderful weekend again because, you know, we've really looked forward to coming back up here to you guys and uh, just hanging out and uh, hanging with the crew, doing what they do. And it's just been an absolute blast. I mean, uh, I went to bed last night around 1, got up around 3 this morning to a laugh fest that didn't stop until around 4.30. And then finally went back to bed. Um, and so it's just kind of how, how the weekend has been for us. And, uh, you know, you guys are just so wonderful. And I just want to thank you all. You guys need to clap for yourselves. You really do. There you go. You really do. <laughs> um, to get started, does anybody in here have a Rolex watch I can borrow? <laughs> Nobody? Come all on. Right. I thought somebody might have had one. Um, Everybody knows what Rolex is, I imagine. You know, it's a very pricey watch. Uh, does anybody know how to spot a fake Rolex? Somewhat. Okay. <laughs> it, it ticks. Who said that? You're right. Okay. Yeah, the real Rolex actually sweeps. It doesn't tick. It doesn't tick tock. Um, how about a Ferrari? You guys know what a Ferrari is? Nice, expensive car. Could you tell a Ferrari from a kit car? which is made out of a box. You know, can you tell the real deal there? Somewhat. Okay. Big question. Can you tell a real religion? How do you spot one? Nobody has to answer that right now. Just kind of keep it in your brain, think about it a little bit. But how do you spot a real religion? Aside from Christ, obviously, you know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And without that, there's nothing. (laughs) but a real true religion, biblically, is what we're going to talk about today. So if you guys got your Bibles, um, open them up to James 3. I'm going to be reading from James 3, 13. I'll apologize in advance. I read from the New King James Version. I don't know what everybody else has, but uh, you know, feel free to read your, your version. Uh, he starts out by saying, uh, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast a lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and evil things are everywhere. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, 
willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The key word that I find in this one is the word pure, because when you go back and look at the original Greek, you'll find the word katharis, which basically means clean or undefiled. It's, you know, as pure as pure could be, like a bottle of Deer Park spring water, you know, nice and clean. Um, in the context of the Greek, it goes a little deeper to, fo- to like follow along from clean to undefiled to free from evil. <laughs> okay, that's the context of pure. Now, if we go over to James one twenty-six, after my page closed, there we go. We'll pick up. Even though we went back, we'll just go back a chapter there or a subchapter. <laughs> Um, James one twenty six. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Twenty seven picks up with pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Again, the key word there is pure, um, which again comes back to the Greek, and in that term they actually use the word hagnos, which Again, means pure, clean, undefiled, and, you know, not demonic. Um, Another key word in there was religion. You know, in the common day and age, everybody's got this mindset of religion. You know, what religion are you? Or, in this case, what denomination are you? You know, Catholic, Methodist, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It's important to go back to the Greek to actually look what they were writing when the Bible was first translated. And the word for religion was a thruskaos, thruskaos, and it meant the outward expression of worship, which is something totally different than when we think religion. When we think religion, we think rules and conduct. We think rules and conduct. There you go. <laughs> um, how many people have come from a religious background? You know, if you've been in a church, yeah, good show of hands. I did too. Um, there are a lot of rules. You know, don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do that. Uh, you know, I came from a church where, you know, if, if somebody drank a beer, that was it, you know. Or if you went to the movies, you know, don't do that. You know, the devil will get you type of thing. And, you know, it, it's not that, you know, you can't do that. It's just the scripture says, you know, when you get out in the world, just be careful, watch your back, don't get caught up in it. Um, the bridling of the tongue part, real quick, uh, you know, there's some debate over that, but, uh, you know, a lot of people think four-letter words and things of that nature. But uh, more or less, in the true translation, what you're seeing is, you know, the bridling of the tongue isn't to really watch your mouth because, you know, you might offend somebody with a four-letter word. But it's more or less along the lines of um, <laughs> the, the way in which we present the gospel, you know, be 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 grounded in it and not be uh, confused, if you will. Um, you know, furthermore, in 27, you'll see that uh, pure and religion are uh, adjectives in the English language. So they're describing something. When you go on to uh, religion from the Greek, it's a verb and it's an action word. It's an outward expression of, you know, the of being Christian, it's it's the worship, the actual act of. Um, 
The orphans and widows, I think we all understand what that is. Um, but it goes deeper again in the Greek. When it comes to widows, the second definition for widow is a desolate place. You know, uh, back then there were a lot of towns which were desolate, decrepit, poor. So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, a woman whose husband had just died. It's just, you know, uh, a desolate place. Um, that's pretty much going to sum up my part uh, as far as the scripture goes, because I'm going to toss this off to Scott. But what I do have to say is uh, I've been very impressed with this weekend. It's kind of funny that uh, when Scott and I got together to kind of touch on something that we would speak on up here, we got to hang out with the crew and see what they do. And, uh, you know, it's just a great thing to see. And, yeah. Is he good with this one or? Don't ask me. Okay. 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 No problem. Um, anyway, yeah. So, you know, I've been really impressed with the way, you know, this church conducts itself and, and does church. You know, I mean, it, it is the true meaning of church when you are the church, not this building. You know, that's the difference. When the religion is that outward expression and not a set of rules of do, don't, and things like that. So, uh, with that, I'm turning it over to you, man. You're, you're landing the plane. Okay. Okay. Well, again, Mike and I were so impressed. Um, how do I say thank you to you that express Christ in such a small little body but do such great things? How can I express thank you? You know... Uh, it's difficult for us to say, you know, sometimes being religious. David tells us, he says, you know what? You don't want burnt offerings. You don't want sacrifice. What you want is a broken and contrite heart. And you guys, you guys express that so well. And you don't even know it. You don't even know it because your heart is broken for the people in your congregation, the people that you reach, the people whose lives you touch every day. And that's worship. That is true worship. And how do I say thank you to you guys? When I first arrived here, when Mike and I first pulled up, we see people taking care of the lawn. And I know sometimes there are times when it would be very, very difficult to be able to do that in the snow, the rain, the sleet, to take care of the little details that make things easier for everybody. And I'm sure it doesn't go without complaining. And I'm sure it doesn't go without, Dad, do you see what I'm doing? Dad, do you recognize my sacrifice? Yeah, he does. But beyond that, there are those of you here. Anybody here been in the service? Raise your hand real quick. All right, got a, got a few people that have served time in the military. 
So you know what it is like to be a man under authority and also to be a man of authority. You give orders, you receive orders, you do them. You know what that's like. And you know sometimes how that drill sergeant or that officer seems to put pain into your life, whether it be through exercise or drill or things that you just frankly don't want to do. And I find it funny sometimes (coughs) when God seems to instruct us through suffering, through pain. The book of Job tells us Satan cannot do a single thing without our sovereign God's authority. Remember that. He is sovereign. There's no one else above him. He said, I've looked around. There's only me. He is sovereign. But how do you take that when the world throws you a curveball? and kicks you in the stomach and knocks the wind out of you. How do you do that? It's not difficult to see how his teaching is very similar to that drill sergeant. Because all the basic training, all the trials and tribulations, the exercise, the running, the jumping, the sheer pain and agony of forced marches, But when it comes time that, heaven forbid, you have to loosen the dogs of war, that's the first thing that comes to your mind. Thank you, Father, for that training. Thank you for preparing me. Thank you for allowing me to serve. How do I say thank you to you that serve? You know, it doesn't make any difference what your MOS or your job is in the service. It doesn't make any difference. There's a unity there that is required of everyone to achieve a certain goal. And whatever that goal is, whether you're in supply or whether you're a cook or whether you're a mechanic or whether you're the pointy end of the spear, one cannot achieve without the other. It cannot get done. So it is in God's kingdom. I got to observe Christ on Saturday as your crew stepped in to help someone. But it couldn't happen without some of you being in supply with your tithes and offerings. It couldn't happen without some of you with your gifts of hospitality to gather the food, to gather the water. It couldn't happen without you young men with muscle to take care of business. It wouldn't work. We couldn't be the body of Christ without each other. That's why he has brought you into corporate worship. Yes, we can all understand how well God 
Oh, I know him. I talk to him. I talk to him every morning. It's not the same. Coming together in unity and being attentive to God's leading and saying, we need to take care of this. We need to reach out to this person. We need to be Christ to somebody today. How do I thank you for demonstrating that? What can I possibly say? I can think of the words of the book of Zephaniah. As I say these things, you might want to make a little note and uh, check it out a little bit later. But the last part of the book of Zephaniah, he says, I am singing and dancing over you. He is so pleased with you. You have no idea. You have no idea. Because right now, some of you are struggling on the night shift. I picked up a book a very good friend of mine gave me about two weeks ago. It's by David Shrive. He's a very, very awesome pastor and teacher and uh, actually serves at uh, one of the, uh, I think it's Hebrews University in Maryland. A very well-renowned teacher and pastor. He's retired now, but he wrote this book called The Night Shift. And in the front of it, there's this marvelous little parable about the owner of a vineyard, the son who works there, Michael, the, uh, how would you say that, the workman on the, that keeps track of all the people coming in and out of the gate to go to work, timekeeper, whatever. And he notices that on the day shift, everything is just wonderful because everybody's working and singing and preparing. They're packing the grapes. They're getting the wine. They're getting the raisins and the juices. Everything's all set. They're getting it all shipped out, and they're laughing and singing, and the sun is right there with them, and there's just this joyful banter back and forth about how we're reaching people, and, oh, it's just great. We've got all this produce, and then 3 o'clock comes around, and the evening shift has to come on, and things get a little bit more difficult. They've got to be prepared for the night shift. So they've got to make sure that the machines are being getting ready to shut down because on the night shift, everything has to be done by hand. So in the evening shift, there's a little bit more consternation and possibly even some griping. It's like, oh my gosh, my talents are being wasted. I should be going right back to the first shift. Maybe. And then the 11th hour strikes and they head for the back gate and the night shift begins. And again, everything has to be shut down. Everything has to be done by hand. There's no lights. But the sun is still there working right alongside him. But now his clothes are stained. His hands are dirty and rough. He uh, goes unnoticed by most. They wonder, where is he? I know he helps the day shift. I know he's on the evening shift. How come we never see him? How come he seems so far away, yet unnoticed? He's placing 
one young man's foot ahead of the other as he struggles under his burden. He's lifting the weight of another man's load because he doesn't recognize it. And there are those of us that volunteer for the night shift because we know that's where God does some of his best work. It's very, very great of you to be here in this community of worship. I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for being Christ to each other. But you know what? There's a dead and dying world out there. I encourage you, I implore you, I beg you. Bring somebody with you. And you might ask, well, how do you do that? I'm not equipped. I don't know much about the Bible. You guys tell off on yourselves. I got to see each and every one of you work on Saturday and the meetings of this weekend. You know more than you think you know. You know why? Because I hear things like, ah, you know, Christ said, all we have to do is give a cup of cool water. Oh, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Really? Yeah, you get it. You get it. And it is, seems sometimes it seems so difficult for us to step into someone's life when we don't know them. It's real easy. Hi, my name's Scott. What do you know for sure? I don't know. I know Jesus loves you. Really? Yeah. Well, why would you say that? Well, I don't know. It's because I know it. I know a place and some people who love to show you. Or the woman that you happen to see in line that's wearing a sling. What'd you do to your arm, girl? Oh, I don't know. I was working in the garden. And I said, well, all God's blessings. I'm just praying right now for a expeditious healing. You know? No, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I do. I do. Sometimes it's easiest when you have some place to go that you go at lunch or a specific gas station that you go to every day or a restaurant or whatever. You have a captive audience. You're going to see that person every day. Will you be Christ to that person? Will you just say, hey, I'd love to have you come visit some people. I know a bunch of crazy people that you would just love to be with. doesn't make any difference how many times you make the invite. As long as you're doing it out of love, and I know you are, because I've seen you at work. You youngsters, it's so difficult in school because I know that there's a certain stigma that comes with uh, going to this church or that church or even those that uh, are far away. 
And it's hard to make that first contact. But don't let that stop you. Do not let that stop you. It's all about a relationship. It's all about being somebody's friend. But I can't encourage you enough to bring someone on your arm to show them how beautiful this little community is. How do I say thank you? How do I say thank you? Would you mind putting those words of the song that we just sang earlier, the, the one up on the screen? Could you do that for me? Go back to the very first ones and then come, come back to that one. Who am I that you are mindful of me? How many times have you said that? Have you forgotten me? Are you so far away? Or in something that you have expressed the sheer love of Christ and you feel it in your heart and you go, oh, Dad, who are you to think so much of me? Do you hear me when I call? That's the night shift. You don't see Dad right there helping you lift that load, putting one foot ahead of the other in your struggles. Is it true that you're thinking of me? Look at David in the Psalms. Look at Psalms 40. Look at Psalms 51. Psalms 51. You know Psalms 51 is when after he had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba, illegitimate child, called his best warrior. I mean, Uriah was his black ops dude. This guy was the warrior of warriors. He pulled him into the feet from the field and says, I want you to sleep with your wife. And I can't do that. My men are out in the field. I can't. I'll sleep in the doorway, but I'm not going to sleep when they are not sleeping in their beds. No. David had him killed. In Psalms 51, he knew it. He knew it. But that's why he was the apple of God's eye. Because he was not afraid to enter that throne room at any time. You are given that right. You are given that right. You can walk into that throne room anytime. But I hope you're not carrying a butter knife. I hope you're carrying that sword of the Spirit, saluting your Lord and Savior. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Trust me. We were talking earlier this morning, Floyd and I. Actually, it was last night we got back because I, I couldn't remember the story of 1 Samuel. Um, Samuel's an awesome prophet, and, and Saul had gathered Israelites together and uh, was preparing them for worship. 
And Saul or Samuel was delayed. And he knew that this worship had to begin. God was going to show himself. So it's like, okay, in his haste, he started the worship. Samuel came and goes, what is it that you have done? It's all in God's timing. And how many times I have been like Saul in my impatience. Because I believe I know how dad's working. Truthfully, his ways are so much higher than my ways. So you have to be attentive. You have to wait upon the Lord. Hoo-hoo-hoo. Another psalm right there. I wait upon the Lord. You ever been in a doctor's office and waiting? I don't like it. I don't think you guys do either because time is one of those commodities we will never get any more of. And when that's all spent, it's time to go. But how difficult is it to wait upon the Lord? To set out a fleece? To know that you know that you know that what you're doing is right? Take some practice, but it's not difficult. And the more you people enter into true religion, because you will never stand so tall as when you reach down to help someone else. God loves you for that. How do I say thank you? But thank you, Crossroads. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for demonstrating Christ. Thank you for being that small little church and amongst some very grandiose ones that probably don't do half the battle that you do. I praise you. Again, I thank you. Be Christ to somebody. Be Christ to somebody. And please don't be afraid to enter into that relationship and just bring somebody on your arm and let them know what a wonderful group of people you are and how much you love each other and care for each other and how that person would be most welcome to do the same. Thank you, guys. Floyd, is the band going to come and do one more song? Maybe we'll do a question and answer, or what do you want to do? The question and answer. Uh, actually, let's do this because um, I'm going to start with a question. All right. And then we're going to open the floor to you guys to ask them some questions. But before we do that, let me ask uh, all you guys to come up here. Um, now, here's you have to get your own chairs. Last time they were here, if you guys remember, yeah, yeah just grab a seat. Just grab a seat. Uh, we we kind of we had. Some questions that were asked, and we went extremely long, so you guys had some questions we didn't get to. So what I said was, hey, this time we're going to leave some time for you guys to ask uh, some questions. But first question that uh, I want to ask is, um, how many guys know, first of all, that these guys are a biker ministry? Anyone aware of that? Okay. Um, Hoorah. Yeah. Here's what I want to ask, because normally when you think of bikers, you think you got to ride a bike. So the first question is, uh, what does it take 
to become or to get into or be uh, a marauder? Uh, you know, do you have to ride a bike? How much does the bike cost? <laughs> does it need training wheels? That kind of thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> For me, yes. <laughs> do you want to direct that at somebody? Okay, I'll take the first one, and then we'll just kind of go around Robin. If there's something you want to ask any one of us specifically, just please say so. Um, if not, then we'll kind of do the generalizations. Michael's Marauders started out as a motorcycle ministry. But guess what? There was only four of us at the time. Actually, three of us. I'm the only guy that had a motorcycle. So no, you don't need a motorcycle. But our whole, our whole ministry is, a, is about one thing. Reaching people who live their lives on the margin. There's a lot of churches out there that are very well at reaching the Gen Xers, the, the wealthy, the well-off. The Marauders have a heart for those that don't. Because those are the very people that Christ so desperately wants us to reach. The scripture tells us that none will snatch them from my grasp. You know, we're given a lot of things, but judgment ain't one of them. We're given a whole lot of powers, but judgment ain't one of them. That's reserved for him and him alone. So who am I to say that this person who is in addiction or in hurting or has lost a loved one, or has lost his job, that seems so far away from God, is not going to come to know him in the next six months, the next year and a half, the next six years, the next 26 years, the next 46 years, the next 76 years. But if I'm not planting a seed, if I'm not watering the ground, if I'm not raking the soil, if I'm not lifting those leaves up, and that's what pruning means, take them out of the dirt, how's he going to know? How's he going to know? How's that person going to know? Is that right? Negative. Big negative. That's our call. That's our commandment. That's our command from our commanding officer. Go. Go and make disciples. Go to every ethnicity, every ethnic group. Go. Now, you don't need a motorcycle. You just need a big old Jesus-sized heart. But I'll tell you one thing. You better weigh the cost. You better weigh the cost. These guys will tell you. Because when you work with those broken people, the cost is high. It's kind of like Gibbs rule number 10. <laughs> Never get personally involved. Try not to. Try not to.
You can't. You can't. Not if you share the love of Jesus. It costs you. But you don't need a motorcycle. No, you don't. Yeah, and that revelation came from um, knowing that being a strictly a motorcycle ministry put us within a boundary, and we're boundaryless. Um, you know, the, every church is you know in a, in a spot in a place. People know you're there; they can go there. And you know, Jesus sent out people. He, you know, Jesus was the one that was walking into the bars and getting called a drunkard and reaching at people. He was the one going you know, into the sick wells and dealing with people. And everybody's looking at him like, oh, look at him. He hangs around with these sicklies. And, you know, that's what it's all about. And uh, we realize that, you know, if you burn your tires too much in one spot, well, you're not going to have any tires. And uh, <laughs> so we had to kind of relook at things. And with with the growth came more people that didn't have bikes or, you know, some that did. Um but we couldn't put ourselves in a box. You know, God's not in a box, so we can't be in a box. Um, you know, the, the funny thing is, I, I would say, you know, that we're a Jesus club with a motorcycle problem because it's Jesus first anyway, you know. I mean, I was once on a little, you know, Jesus club with a bowling problem group. So, uh, yeah, bowl. <laughs> bowl. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just one of those things that uh, – you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, um, our brother John here is not on a bike. You know, this cat right here does ride a bike. You know, but uh, <laughs> so you know, it, it's more of like the brotherhood mentality because you know, when you're a Christian anyway, I mean, if you look to the person next to you, that's your brother, that's your sister. You know, bar none. You know, and scripture says when somebody gives their life to Christ that there's, you know, the biggest party happening in a place that we can't see right now. And you're a part of the biggest family ever in history. You know, and that that's very cool. <laughs> you know, especially to those orphans and those widows because, you know, they don't have any body. Yet we are that body. We are that body of Christ, the hands and feet. You know, some of us ride bikes. <laughs> if I if I can ask one thing, um, we are in a in a very transitional period in our ministry, um, and it doesn't surprise me. Um, well, it does surprise me, but it it doesn't surprise me that uh, you guys have kind of adopted us. Um, we are on the verge of probably. Well, we already are a 501c non-for-profit organization, but in the last two months we've been redoing our bylaws so that we can be a little bit more independent, but not separate from our church. We cannot operate this ministry without a church covenant. I, I would not allow it. There's a certain accountability that has to come. Otherwise, you become a loose cannon and you lose your way. So that's not going to happen. But as we enter into this, God's leading us to be a little bit more autonomous. And we're trying to figure out how to be more attractional. God's given each pastor, each church, each ordination, a ministry. Wherever Christ is spoken, he's there. 
right? He's trying to reach a specific group of people, but he's there. So that's part of our attractional being, I guess, is maybe not so much looking the part, but people actually questioning it, saying, what's up with those guys? So we create the commonality that we see. It may create an attractionality that would draw someone with a little bit more comfort zone and saying, oh, they're not going to point that bony finger at me. So as we enter into this, we've probably got a good two more months before, no, end of August. Um, but I really know that something is just, we are on the cusp, and I've put out a fleece. But it's kind of funny because um, I'm not that sharpest knife in the drawer. So I sit there and I, and I don't say, okay, Dad, will you make it wet or will you make it dry to answer my prayer? I'm, I'm the kind of guy that goes, Dad, I know you lamp to my feet, but can't you shine that searchlight to the next cobblestone? <laughs> you know? And it's like, so I'm asking for wisdom and guidance and leading. And I'm trying my best to wait upon the Lord and be attentive to what he's saying. And little puzzle pieces are starting to come together. And if I could ask one thing of you, is to lift us up in prayer. Lift us up in prayer as we take on a bigger portion of what I think God has planned for us. I was telling Chrissy this morning a little bit, and, and she's like, wow. And I go, oh, yeah, best blown, blindfolded roller coaster ride I've ever been on. Because we're challenged and a little bit I won't say scared because he does not give me the spirit of fear nor timidity. But I will say uh, concerned. But then again, scripture tells me that I can cast my concerns upon him because he cares for me. So in that, we're going to wait and we're going to trust him. And we're going to see where this roller coaster goes. Well, maybe not with blindfolds on, but we'll find out. Any other questions? Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Sir. We have marauders in Nacogdoches, Texas, Austin, Texas, Kansas City, um, Los Angeles, Torrance, actually Torrance Crenshaw, uh, Montana, uh, Massachusetts, North Carolina, North Carolina, Miami, Florida. Yeah, Pittsburgh, PA. Hoorah! <laughs> and not only that, but uh, the majority of them, I, I know there have been flashing pictures up here, but there were seven people that were ready to ride up here this weekend. They couldn't. Because one of our requirements in order to be a marauder you have, to church, you have to serve in your church home. You have to serve in your church home. I don't care how you do it. There's a big old piece of pie. You figure out which one you want to eat, but you're going to eat it. So there's seven people back there. 
that are taking care of hospitality. Uh, Speedy G's picking up the bagels and coffee. Essay's on his bike. Um, gosh, David Gruen, Josh, Marcy. Um, Brent Vincent just had to move to Maryland. To, I forgot about it. We have somebody in, in uh, Hagerstown around that area now. Um, so we, we, we stretch our tent pegs very wide. And uh, that's the other thing. Once a marauder, it's kind of like being a, a Marine. You don't get out. You don't. You become a full patch member, you're done. Are you in the squad with Yeah. Mike, Mike. And I'm Mike. Yeah, but we all go by nicknames. They call me Obi-Wan because my last name's Oberlinder. Not to be confused with OB, like, and then J-U-A-N, like the Juan. All right. Hoorah. So, yeah, it, it's, we're trying to, well, let me, let, me, let me say this. We just had a woman call us five, six years ago. We were doing outreach to the strip clubs up in Inwood, West Virginia. Had several women from our congregation that would actually go in and make, well, it was kind of weird because we had a leading and went out to this Assembly of God church. And we thought we were supposed to meet somebody and they're a little bit charismatic and you know they're getting the word from the Lord and I'm turning to Aspen Turland who's another one of the OG, original gangster marauders, right? She's awesome. She started another outreach ministry that's an ancillary to Michael's Marauders called Beloved Jewel, which does outreach to um, that specific entertainment society, I'll say, from prostitutes to strippers to nightclubs to exotic dancers, whatever. So we're sitting there, and uh, all of a sudden, we start kind of chuckling in the spirit, right? And this couple behind us goes after the service. And we couldn't help noticing that, you know, when... Know, we were giving an answer to someone in speaking in tongues that, that you seemed you know a little taken and we were going yeah we came out here to see somebody but we don't know who we're supposed to see and she says well what is it you're looking for and I said well we kind of had this idea about uh, taking some gifts but we don't know exactly what or where she goes, I know exactly who you're talking about introduce us to this lady she said the first thing she asked me is goes well I'll make them if you'll take them she made, she, we wound up, this is, this is the first Marauder's Christmas. I went, uh, no, I like pink, okay? Just not on me, okay? But if you ask any one of the Marauders, I mean, oh, they ribbed me terribly about pink, okay? But I had, we had these Victoria's Secret boxes <laughs> packed full of a prayer cloth and I love you letter from God we had donations from, oh gosh, um, several of the mall shops of all their um, samples of perfumes. And there was a couple like, uh, I can't even think of the name of their, their accessory shops that just donated us just jewelry and, and, and stuff like this, right, that, that we put in these boxes. And these girls would take them up to these strip clubs and just give them to the girls. And it was so weird because 
I had gone up there with him about three weeks earlier and talked to the owner. So we even made gifts for the wait staff, the cooks, and everything else. And it was okay that we went in there, but it was just girls only at the time that we were presenting these gifts. And uh, went in there, and, and they're giving these away. And it was kind of funny because one of the girls there was relating a story about another church that had done this, but without the relationship part. They had came in, dropped off the gifts. There was another woman that worked there um, who kind of commandeered them and said, oh, this church dropped these off. They're looking for a donation. She scounded with the donation. They were gifts. But there was no one there to create that relationship or demonstrate the love of Christ. Now, the women that we had from the Marauders went in there, and they made darn sure that those gifts were individually given out, went into the dressing rooms, went into wherever it was, presented these things, and said, you know, we're not here to be Bible thumpers. We don't want you to, we're not expecting you to come to church, but guess what? If you want to, come. I'd love to have you there, but if you need something, call me. Here's our number. Just pick up the phone. Just want to be your friend. That's all that mattered. We had two ladies. One that uh, we were very successful with. One who has had some real, real difficulty. But the amazing thing about it, five years, five years ago, six years ago, she just called our office. And uh, I, took, I, I took the call, and I recognized the voice, but she used a different name. But I still recognized the voice. And she was asking about uh, Aspen and uh, Joan. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get the message out. Well, sent Aspen an email, told her, I said, all right, well, you get in touch with uh, this woman, and uh, here's the deal. This is what I've heard in conversation, and uh, this is where she's at. Handed it off to another marauder, and uh, she ran with it. Well, there's another success story. Didn't make any difference how long it takes. Because somebody planted the seed. Somebody watered, somebody raked, somebody lifted those leaves. Now the woman's making a change of life. Yeah, you put on this patch. There's no X. You're in. It's kind of like being part of the crew, I guess. <laughs> Any other questions? guys have to go through for basic training. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tater. Right. Oh, she's got a nickname, by the way. Tater. You know how? 
She's a facilitator. She's a facilitator. That's why we call her Tater. <laughs> Anything else? Anything, any questions for any of the guys? I'm hogging the stage here. Seven, front and center. <laughs> All right. You want to use John as the example, otherwise you'll be talking to them. So, yeah, you, you get that. You'll turn John around, explain to them. No, you've done poster thing enough, poster child. Is this thing? Yeah. All right. S explain it to them, Troop. All right. Well, so we have the full colors here. This is we're called Michael's Marauders. Michael after the Archangel. We are his troops, marauders. We're basically a bunch of misfits that run around just following orders as best as we can. Um, here in the middle patch, we got the sword of the word with the flame of the spirit. That's our weapon and our guide, all in one. We have Calvary as a reminder of why we are serving. We have the Star of David here as remembrance of our past, I believe. Keys to the kingdom. And the keys to the kingdom. And then we declare first division because Matthew or Luke. Well, you look at some of the patches and good most all motorcycle groups will declare turf. That's their bottom rocker. Whether it says San Jose, San Bernardino, Baltimore, whatever, they're declaring turf. We don't. This actually comes from Luke 19, where he says, I did not come to bring peace, but division. Every part of the patch is a segue for us to say something about Christ. If you get those questions, it's like, well, let me tell you. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get it. You're one of those Bible thumping groups. No. Okay, I get all this. I see all that. Okay, but what's that red across the back? That's actually Aramaic. That's the language Jesus spoke. That's from 1 Matthew 123. It says he'll be known as Emmanuel or our God with us. And I'll guarantee you where some of these troops take these, they better have God with them. <laughs> That's all I got to say. We're not judged. <laughs> Anything else? All right. Lloyd, I guess we can wrap it up. Thank you guys so much. For your no, no. All right. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Thank you guys so much. And as. As the band comes up, I'm going to ask all you guys to just stand because we're going to enter a time of worship. And uh, one of the key things that is so awesome um, just about the body of Christ is, you know, as Scott was saying, it's not about, you know, what, what, what financial status you have or what race or what community you come from or, uh, you know, what football team you like. It's just about the fact that... Uh, once we come to know Christ, that regardless of our experiences or our issues or our past, that he brings us all together and we just become one in the body of Christ.
brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, people who can just love on one another, spend time with one another, share with one another, uh, lift up one another, encourage one another, and just praise God with one another. So um, I know we've run long, but we're going to just sing this last song and just just embrace just the fact, the unity that God brings to a world that desperately, desperately needs Christ. We know that in each of our lives, in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, there are people that should be yours, but they don't know you yet. God, we pray that you would impress it upon our hearts to reach out to them, to just love on them, to bridge that gap, to form that relationship, not to beat them down with the Bible but to lift them up so that they can experience the love of a holy and loving God. God, we pray that we would be your vessels that you would use this week to reach those people, to invite them into your family, invite them into our lives, that they might spend eternity in your kingdom. God, we thank you so much for just just blessing us with your presence. If nothing else happened, that in itself would be just worth praising you for, just your presence, God. God, we pray that you are exalted. We pray that as we go through our days, we go through our week, that as we said before, that every single day we remind ourselves of how much you love us, the fact that you died for us, and you give us the ability to just share that with somebody in our life. God, we thank you. We praise you. We pray that you would be exalted. And we pray this in Jesus' name.